Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in Alaska as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. You awake at church today? Let's celebrate being together this morning. We like to clap at church. Hey, if you're brand new, we're glad that you're here with us. My name is Brian. And I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, you guys made it. You made it. I don't know what you went through to get here this morning, uh, but I'm just confident God's going to speak to you. And I'll tell you, I, was, uh, I always get a couple minutes praying for you, praying over this message, um, just right before I come up here to preach. And uh, my heart's just been like really heavy this week as I've prepared this message. And um, honestly, what I've felt is, uh, is extremely inadequate. Which I think is a good thing, honestly. As a, as a teacher, as someone who's opening God's Word, I've just felt really inadequate this week as I've come to this text and what we're talking about today. Um, because I, I feel like here's the deal. Like, I, I, I don't have it in me to communicate what I need to communicate today in a way that will change your heart. Which is praise God for that. Like, I can't change your heart. And so I've just been like praying that the Holy Spirit would work and would show up today, would like just kind of grab a hold of you and that you'd leave here transformed and different because of that. And I, I always believe that to be the case. But today as we talk about what it means to be a kingdom movement, what it means to be people who share the gospel, there's just so much deprogramming we have to do to be able to kind of get reprogrammed with what's actually true and, and what we're called to do as, uh, as believers. And if you're not a Christian and maybe you're brand new to the church, you just picked a great week, week to be here because we're going to really talk about what we believe and how important it is that we give it away that we share it. And so um, that's kind of where we're at today. We are in a series called Impact Alaska, moving towards this event that we have here in just like two weeks. Um, so just kind of side note, get signed up today. They're going to talk about it more at the end. Just kind of shout out to my oil change team. Y'all, I'm excited about that. You can jump on that team and join with me in that. Um, but we're, we're just excited to serve our city uh, together as, uh, as a church and even as the greater church beyond Eagle River. There's churches all around the area that are going to be serving together that day. So we've set a goal that there'd be one more person at Impact Alaska than there are typically on a weekly basis at ACF Church. So I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I believe in you guys. It's going to be exciting. You don't, if you're going to miss any week, don't miss that week. Miss the next week if you have to, but don't miss Impact Alaska. So uh, coming off of uh, a great retreat with our ACF lead team, if you didn't know this, uh, I I'm not the man at the top. Like We've got a team of leaders that work together uh, to set some direction and really give oversight to our church family. And um, my wife and I were packing up some things to go on this retreat with our lead team. And uh, I, I was getting ready to leave the house. And my daughter came in and I was like, Avriana, listen, look at my eyes. This is what I do. And I'm serious. I'm like, look at my eyes. I said, when we come back, this place better be clean right? Because I'm a parent. I do these things. This place better be clean. And she goes, Dad, I, I, I thought I'd tell you that we kind of do this thing when you're gone. I'm like, what is that thing? I'd like to know what you do when I'm gone. And she said, well, what we do is we like totally trash the house and make it a disaster. And then like five minutes before we know you're coming back, we clean it all up, right? And I'm like, oh, I've seen how you clean it all up. 
this is why we're having this conversation, right? It's not, it's not done the way I expect it to be done. But she was just talking about that idea of like, we, we kind of have fun just destroying everything. And then at the very last second, we try to put it all back together. And it's never quite as it should be. And what's interesting is that t- as we think about and talk about what it means to share the gospel, I think we have in our mindset that like, man, there's always another opportunity, Right? And so what happens in the church is we have all this kind of frenetic energy that we spend on things that aren't ultimately changing lives. And, and this is kind of a tragedy, but many times we get toiled up in, in, in religion and this, this behavior change and kind of looking good on the outside, just like the religious Pharisees of Jesus' day, and yet people's lives aren't being transformed. It's a little like this bumper sticker that I saw years ago. Can we put that on the screen? Um, I feel like this one speaks to the mentality. Have you ever seen this one before? Jesus is coming look busy, right? Do you ever have a job like that where you knew the boss wasn't okay with you just standing around, and so you just grab a broom, right? That's always kind of the standby. Just be holding a broom when the boss walks in, and you won't get in trouble, right? Just, just, just sweep. Just do busy work to look busy so that you don't get in trouble. And far too often, the Christian life is like this for a lot of people, we're doing busy work, hoping that God's going to say, like, well, at least she's doing something. Well, at least he's doing, doing something, but we're not doing the right things. And, and listen, man, it's not working for the American church. Like, it's not, it's not growing and expanding the kingdom that God, the way that God designed it to grow and expand. We're not meant to just look busy. We're meant to share the gospel in a way that transforms lives. I mean, we have a call, and Jesus' last Uh, order to the church was, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. And so this is your call. This this isn't like the call for the professionals, like, hey, Pastor Brian, good job. You're doing the great commission that you're called to do. No, this is what every individual in this room has been commissioned by Jesus to do, is to go and make disciples. If you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 24. Um, We're going to talk about what this looks like, I think, from from a perspective of uh, man, man we, we don't always have another opportunity. And we've got to stop looking at our lives like we have endless days. And, and, and I think as we get older, we start to kind of number our days. But the younger we are, the more we think that there's always another opportunity. And I feel like this is such an important text to consider as we consider being those who share the gospel. It says this. It says, but, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he's speaking about the end of times, the end of days, as the disciples are just asking him questions about how is it all going to end, just like we do today. We're all kind of curious about how is this all going to end. He says, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. 
So what we do know about the end is that we don't know when it is. So uh, any kind of date that's out there, anything you look on the internet, like when's it all going to end, uh, it, it's all just, it, it's, it's us trying to come up with some way to control the future and to understand the outcome. Listen, we know very clearly that we have not been given a date, and that's intentional. Like, just like with my kids, uh, knowing when someone's coming back puts you in a mindset of, I always have more time, Right? And so this is how we tend to live. This particular text, um, Jesus is preaching on the Mount of Olives. It's known as the Olivet Discourse. And he's, he's really helping the disciples understand this, this reality, that the end is coming, man. So live like it's going to happen like you least expect it, like when you least expect it, the end is coming. So what I want to do for this message today is get us in that mindset over the next few minutes. And so if you could kind of put a timer maybe on the screen, that'd be great. So let's just say you have 24 hours. Like, I mean, I'm not a prophet. I'm just telling you, like, let's just, for this message, think of this timer. I want this to bother you as I'm preaching and, to, and, and just to kind of grab your attention occasionally of, like, what if in 24 hours, like, Jesus really was returning to, to, to take his, his church home? Like, what if you literally had 24 hours to share the good news that's been planted in your soul? Like, like what if that was actually... The case. I believe that if you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, man, like the question is, who would you tell about Jesus today? We, we'd start to consider that in a deeper way. If you knew Jesus was coming back tomorrow, who is it that you would tell about Jesus today? Now, sharing the gospel, or what we know as evangelism, has, I think, taken on a lot of different forms and uh, traditions and different things in the church over the years. And if you grew up in the church, you might have heard about evangelism. Your pastor might have gotten up and, and told you things like, you know, how much do you have to hate somebody to let them go to hell and things like that. And you felt guilty for like five minutes. And then you went and maybe like uh, had an awkward conversation with a waitress so that you can feel like, you know, you're an evangelist. And then you never thought about it again. Uh, for other people, when you hear evangelist, you think of televangelist. Like, hey, uh, for $89.99... Um, I will send you a set of steak knives and some Jesus, right? Like you can get saved, I'll give you kind of a little gift, and maybe that's what you kind of think of. Or you think of somebody standing on a street corner with a bullhorn yelling like, you're all going to hell, you're all going to hell. You ever heard of uh, Westboro Baptist Church? If you know about them, you know that, man, they kind of do these things where they pop up around the nation and they pick at different events, and it's always turn or burn, you're going to hell. Like that's the message that's so very clear. It's all very hell-based is... Um, is the gospel they proclaim, which here's what you need to know. Just if you're going to be an evangelist, don't start with hell, okay? Because my Bible doesn't begin with judgment. It begins with the garden. And so our gospel needs to begin in the garden. It needs to begin with a perfect union between God and humanity. And yes, hell does exist. And separation from God does exist, but the story doesn't begin there, okay? So this is really important that we know that as we begin to share the gospel, like you were made to know your God is a much more compelling story than you're going to go to hell, um, so you should pray this little prayer. So we used to do these things. We'd do like street witnessing events in our youth group back in the day. And we had the right heart, um, but we'd go out. We'd be in a group, big group of people, and um, we'd go into the street. And we'd have these little cards, and we'd pull them out. And, and the goal was get as many people as possible to, to, to pray the prayer. You guys know the prayer, right? The prayer, the, the sinner's prayer. And so we'd go throughout the streets, and you know, we, we'd be walking around. We'd see somebody, and we'd just sit in there, some you know, person that's just trying to read the newspaper, and we'd be like, okay, who's going to do it? We'd go up and we'd be like, do you want to go to heaven instead of hell? And they'd be like, yeah. We're like, then you should pray this prayer. And they're like, okay. 
And so then people would do this all around our town, and we'd come back together that night as a youth group, and we'd celebrate. How many people did you save? We saved five people. We saved ten people. We didn't save any people. And then we'd celebrate, and we'd sing, and we'd have a great time of how many people we had saved. It, it, it was, it was, the heart was really, I think, in the right place to start to try to reach our city, but if I'm honest, it was more about us than it was about them. Which I'll tell you, if you want to be somebody who shares the good news, it's got to be about them. People can tell People can tell when they're projects. People can tell when there's not the actual love and compassion for them. The way you speak to people makes all the difference when sharing the gospel. A friend of mine, his name's Wes Davis, he's a pastor, and, and uh, he, he shared with me these, these five aspects of a kingdom movement that I feel like are so key to what it looks like to be in the kind of people that start to see this movement go from our homes into our city and around the world. And the first is this, having a missional impulse. The first thing is that as Christians, we should have an outward-looking missional impulse in all situations, that we want to move toward people, not away from them. Far too often when we get saved, man, if Jesus is in your heart, there can be this like pulling away from people that need Jesus the most. Now, listen, uh, you need to have close friends that love Jesus, and you need to get good advice from people who deeply love Jesus, absolutely. But we need to be very careful in isolating from the people that Jesus ran toward, okay? And this is far too often. We isolate from the people that Jesus loves the most. How will they hear the love of, of, of Christ if you don't go to them? And so we got to start moving towards people. we got to resist cynicism, and this kind of like, man, the world's just falling apart. Everything's going to hell in the world. And so I just want to hide my family and uh, just kind of make it to eternity. That's not the way of Christ. The second is this, having an incarnational lifestyle. We talked about this a little bit last week. The word incarnation means in the flesh. That's why we celebrate every Christmas that it's God incarnate as Jesus comes to earth. It's God in the flesh. And so we want to be people who show up in people's lives in the way that Jesus would show up. That, that, that's our calling is to like just kind of show up when they're building the deck, go over there and help them build the deck. You know, when, when she's struggling with her kids, go over there, sit with her, talk with her, spend time with her. You know, like, like spend time with people, be the incarnational Jesus in people's lives. The third is this, spiritual conversations. We've got to learn how to move the conversation forward with our friends. And there's a way to do this in a loving and honest way. Uh, where we, we start off with normal conversation. Just what is the thing that you can talk with any, anybody about for hours? Um, so for me, it's engines and vehicles. If you want to just talk to me for the next three hours, I got lots for you about engines and vehicles, and it's, it's easy. And everybody in the room, you have something that you can so naturally begin conversations with people about and talk about it. So you start the conversation there, but then you have to begin to move the conversations from kind of these, these, these uh, uh, superficial things into deeper things. So you can ask questions like, hey, how's your marriage right now? You know, like, like how, how is it raising your kids? How are, you doing, how are you feeling about your life? Start asking some deeper questions, and, and then you can even go deeper than that, and you can say like, hey, what do you believe about God or eternity? Do you have any belief about what's coming next after after this life and you can start to kind of move the conversation naturally and honestly to the next step and and I just promise you God's going to use that and you can you need to understand this the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of your friends do you know that the Holy Spirit although he resides in only Christians he comes into the life of Christians and lives inside of us he's working in the world to draw people to himself 
And so you might think, man, I'm the only voice of truth in this person's life. But you need to know this. Like, God's been speaking to that person long before you have. And they might not know it's God. And they might not see him at work or even give him the, the honor for those things that God does to bless that person or to work in that person's life. But, but God is always at work. It's not your job to save people. And so the fourth is this, intentional apprenticeship. Is I would love that if, if at the end of today that everybody had just one person that you have determined and decided is the person that you are intentionally apprenticing toward Jesus. Uh, the word disciple is just a christian word that simply means apprentice. And, and as an apprentice, all you're doing is, is learning to do what the master does, right? And so what we want to do is, is, is teach people who Jesus is. Teach them about the life of Christ, that there's peace and joy and hope in the life of Jesus, and, and apprentice them toward Christ. And at some point, they're, the, the, the light's going to kick on, and they're going to go, hey, I, I want this in my life. I want more of that. And then we get to tell them about Jesus. Now, I know if you're a guy in the room, sometimes it, you struggle to do this. Like for the ladies, you go on coffee dates, right? And it's just, oh, we just get together for coffee. The guys are like, I don't want to grab a dude for coffee. Um, I'm going to set some, set some guys free here today. Here's the deal. You don't have to do coffee dates to disciple people. Amen? Like, like some of the deepest conversations I've ever had have happened underneath the hood of a vehicle or in a, a tree stand out hunting or on the road going to help another friend uh, do, do a project around the house. Like these, these deep conversations can happen and should happen everywhere in your life. And so know that, man, just start looking for those moments. And the, the fifth is this, empowering leadership. We've got to begin to encourage and empower each other to be those who share the gospel, to be evangelists. Like, you need to know this. You have every single thing you need inside of you to go and tell someone about Jesus, as long as you follow Jesus, right? Like, if he's in you, he's ready to come out of you, okay? And this is so important that you, that you help other people to see this. If you're a natural evangelist, you've got to encourage other people. You've got to tell stories, and you've got to share, like, where God has worked in your life and how you're beginning to overcome your fears to share the gospel, you see, the truth is this. This is the key, I believe, to us being a healthy church in the next, um, really, f- for the rest of the existence of ACF. We need to be at an outflowing church. Yeah. And as I look at the church, in, uh, especially in America right now, man, we have come into this consumer mindset. We, see, we come to church and we're like, hey, um, what can the church do for me? And what can the pastor do for me? What can this church give to me and my family? And listen, if, if you're not a Christian, it's okay if you come and you're just like, I just kind of enjoy the message and the coffee and some friends. Like, that's okay. But when you start to follow Jesus, you realize that this place, this thing, it's, it's not just to, just to build you up. It's to be sent out into the world. And what happens is churches kind of start to look like this. Um, yeah, so some churches are ponds and some churches are rivers. This isn't a pond, this is a pool. But this is what happens. Anybody owned a pool before in the room here? Just, and yeah, a few of you in the room. If you live down south, everybody's got a pool. And so um, this is what happens when there's no flow in a pool, right? You know this. If the, if the pump shuts off and there's no circulation of the water, it turns into a cesspool, right? And the only thing that grows in this thing is bacteria. Anybody want to jump in there? Anybody want to spend time in that pool? You see, I think sometimes we look at the world and we're like, man, everybody's so messed up. They don't want to be part of church anymore and they don't want to do Christian things. But when people outside of the church look in at the church and they see this, I don't blame them. Because the church can become so ingrown. It can become so obsessed with itself. Like, man, how do you make me comfortable? How do I feel good about my life and my family and my desires and preferences? That it becomes this like internally focused thing 
that just starts to grow bacteria and it gets sick and ultimately this leads to death in a church. A church that's ingrown like this is a dying church. And I just, I'm just telling you, as I look at the churches, many in our, our community, many even beyond our state, many are dying. And uh, for a lot of different reasons, but I think so much of it is that at some point they stopped wanting to see people uh, be reached with the gospel. At some point, the joy of God inside of them wasn't enough to flow out of them, and the church stopped flowing. And when the church stops flowing, the church starts dying, okay? And so I never want to be this, right? We don't want to be this. We want to be more like a river, right? Like this. Yeah, how'd that get in there? Um, I'm so excited about fishing. It's coming. It's coming. I love the rivers in Alaska, right? And the, the, the color of our rivers are amazing, and the life that exists in our rivers is amazing, because they flow. It's the flow that makes space for the life. And what you need to know is this, is that you may think you understand the gospel, but if you are not flowing the gospel into other people, you don't truly understand it. You don't know the gospel till it flows into somebody else's life. There are aspects of God's beauty and goodness that you will never taste until you start sharing the good news with others. Because it's through their transformation that we start to see how much God has done in our own lives. It's through their understanding of grace and and joy and peace for the first time that we're reminded of what Christ did in our hearts when we first came to know him. And it's through that flow into the world that we start to come alive to what God is doing inside of our own hearts. Um, We just had Beast Feast a couple days ago, which uh, I love that event. Uh, We had 25 men indicate their decision to follow Jesus at Beast Feast. So let's celebrate that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Again, it's a flow, right? We've got to flow in and then out. And and, in this place, once again, this is like a base camp. This isn't the end-all, be-all. We need to be seeing this as a place to be sent out. We want to be flowing into the world from this place. I think there's some reasons that we don't do this. Um, And so back to Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Verse 38 says this, For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. If you know the story of Noah, um, you know that the world had really uh, degraded to this place where people only did evil all the time. It was just this like this sick world. And so God determined it was time to reset the deck. And uh, he told Noah, like, hey, build an ark. Invite people to join you in it. And, uh, and this will be a place where, where people will be able to make it through the flood. And so Noah starts building this ark in the middle of a drought. People were making fun of him, right? And they were going along in their lives, and they're like, hey, you're an idiot. You're wasting your time. You know, we're just going to go on and live. And they did. They were, just, they were doing these things, just eating and drinking and getting married and just living their lives, having no idea that their death was coming, having no idea that, that they were in imminent danger of losing everything. And this is how the world lives, and unfortunately, this is how many of, of the church lives, is that we live like, man, the, the end is so far, man. It's just like, it's a long ways out. And so what happens is, is that we become busy. So the first reason I think we don't do this is that we are busy with our own lives. Yeah. Whenever I talk to somebody about um, their life, many times we actually, we say, we're busy. Oh, it's really busy right now. And in fact, I think we take a lot of pride in being busy. Um, not many people take pride in like, yeah, I'm just not really doing much with my life, you know? And so we go the other direction. We're like, no, I'm like packed, bro. I'm really important, like super important. I've got a lot, I'm doing a lot of ministry stuff. I'm, you know, I got a lot with work. And like we're, re- and the truth is we are busy. We stack our lives full and our schedule is packed. 
And we wonder why we walk by people every day and never share the good news. We don't have time for it. I mean, who's got time to actually sit down and open our mouths and share the good news with other people? So we're just completely busy. And and I think, honestly, part of it, too, is that if you're a Christian in the room, like, you feel pretty comfortable because you know that Jesus has saved you. And so we can become sort of inoculated to the gospel, right? If you ever heard that term before where you can kind of, you get, like, just enough of the gospel to to feel uh, safe and to feel like, okay, so my salvation is secure, but we don't actually get enough of it to desire to go and see people get saved. And so we kind of just get like a, a taste of it, but not enough to actually be transformed to those who go and share the gospel. And so we just kind of fill up our lives with a bunch of other things. We fill up our lives with Christians, right? And I just I'll take a quick um, inventory of your deep friendships, okay? Uh, do you uh, invite Christians over for Christmas dinner? Do you go camping with Christians? If you're going to go out on Friday night with your wife or your husband, are you going to invite other Christians? If you're going to get together with some friends after church today, are they going to be Christians? You know, if you're going to hang out after work this week, are they going to be Christians? If you look at the people that you hang out with, are 99.9% of them Christians? You see, if that's the case, it's no wonder that we're like, man, there's only one dude in my life that, you know, I could possibly even share the gospel with. And uh, man, he's not ready to hear it. And so I'm pretty much off the hook. And so it's no wonder we don't feel any, uh, any bit of like compelling to go and share the gospel because we've isolated ourselves once again from the people that Jesus loves the most. As you look in this room, there are a few empty seats. And here's what we believe as the church. We believe that an empty seat is a serious problem. You might go, I'm so glad for this empty seat. It's my bro seat between me and somebody else. It makes me feel comfortable. I like, I like the bro seat, right? And as we, as we grow and get more people in the room, we have to kind of squeeze in. We get a little annoyed that we have to, you know, be shoulder to shoulder. You know, it feels like, you know, I'm sitting in coach on, you know, American Airlines or whatever. You know, it's like we don't like that. We like to have space between us. But listen, somebody who's really tasted the gospel and is aware of what Christ has done for them, when you see an empty seat, you see a problem. And this isn't just in the church. This is in your house. So when you are, you're having dinner as a family, you might have an empty seat. You need to start to see that seat as a serious problem. Like, why isn't a friend who doesn't know Jesus over? Like, why, why aren't my neighbors over for dinner tonight? If you're in your truck going to, you know, do a project with a friend and you've got an empty seat in your truck, you need to see an empty seat as a serious problem because you could call somebody and be like, hey, I've got this buddy. He needs to move some gravel. Would you go over there with me? And most guys are going to be like, absolutely. Build the friendship. Start to see an empty seat as a serious problem. We need to get out of this mindset of being so consumed with our own lives. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. I think the second thing is this. We're not paying attention. We're busy, and we're not really keeping watch. Uh, What you need to know is that your friends, through little small statements, are trying to speak to you. And if you'll listen, if you'll open your ears to the things that they say, you'll start to hear what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life. Even if they're all out rejecting God completely, you'll start to hear things that you're like, oh, that, man, that's an open door. Oh, they're talking about some things at home. They're talking about some addictions that they're dealing with. They're talking about like a lack of hope or a lack of purpose. Like this is an open door to share the gospel if we would just start to pay attention to what's going on around us. Do you know the people in Eagle River, they're not doing as good as you think they are. Your neighbors, you know the ones that smile at you when you you drive by? They're not doing as good as you think they are. At a baseline, if they don't know Jesus, they are destined for separation from God. That's not so good. 
And greater, you know, not greater, but like in addition to that, they're probably dealing with family things and personal struggles and who knows what. Behind those closed doors, people are not doing as good as you think they are. We all put on a pretty face. And, and so just be aware of that. Matthew twenty four forty four goes on. So you also must be ready, right? We must be ready for this coming of Christ because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And I think this is maybe one of the most important ones that we see this is that we think, we always think there's more time. We always think there's more time. Oh, next time. Next, like, uh, yeah, I could have brought it up, but next time. And we keep putting off this opportunity to share the gospel. I want you to look at your friendships and just do you, do people who know you know you follow Jesus, especially those who are not part of the church? Because I remember like back when I was in high school, none of my friends that weren't Christians knew that I was a Christian. It was like this secret in my life. And, and, and I just felt so uncomfortable telling them about it. And so here's what I realized later in life, is that there are two options, two possibilities, if your friends who are not Christians don't know that you go to church or that you're a Christian. The first is this, that you're being fake with your friends. That you're actually not being who you are around your friends. Because if Jesus is really the center of your life, and Jesus is really your Lord and Savior. And man, your eternity is transformed and your today is transformed because of what Jesus did on the cross. And you don't tell them, then they're probably not really your friends. You know, like, like, like they're not, it's not a deep friendship because this is the most important thing in your life. And I, I promise you, in a real friendship, you will share the most important thing in your life. Good. So that's one option. Either they're not your friends or Jesus is not the most important thing in your life. Like, like, he's not really the savior of your life. He's not really the center of your life. And so it's no wonder you don't share him with others. You see, I think so often we just think, man, there's just more time. It's not a big deal. And we keep him to ourselves. I asked some people this week uh, online about some other top reasons that they struggle with sharing their faith. I got, man, some really consistent answers. Another one was, I don't have all the answers. Um, this is maybe the most... Uh, consistent one was people were like, man, I don't know that I can defend six-day creation. I don't know that, like, I can uh, defend what it means to, you know, uh, have a creator instead of evolution or how that all works together, and so I don't share the gospel. But I think the misunderstanding with that is that you seem to think that it takes more than Jesus to save. If Jesus is enough to save, then you've got everything you need to share the gospel. You don't have to have all the answers. And I'll tell you this. People come up to me, and I'll be the first to say, I don't have all the answers. Sometimes people like to stump me. They'll come, up to, they'll come to church, and they've been, I can tell you've been to church for a while. You'll be like, hey, Pastor Brian, remember in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 24, when it said, I'm like, nope. I, man, I've been a pastor for 20 years, but I, I have yet to memorize Leviticus. So I'm sorry if that disappoints any of you, but I'm just I'm not, I'm not there. Um, and so I, I'll go back to it with you, and we can talk about it. And uh, I've, I've got some commentaries, and I learned from a lot of other people, and, and we can do that. Here's what I've learned is that people really respect a Christian that admits they don't know everything. It's the Christians that think they do know everything that people don't respect. And so we think, oh, no, the opposite of true. I need to have all the answers. No, you just need to be honest and give them Jesus, right? In fact, John six sixty three talks about this idea that the Spirit is what gives us life. Amen. The flesh is of no help at all. Like, like what you know and all of those things, I mean, you can use that in a conversation and walk somebody through their doubts, whatever it may be, but man, it's the spirit that gives life. The, the other one I heard was this, I don't want to be rejected. This is a real fear, right? 
And naturally, we as humans want to be accepted by the people around us, and we don't want to make it weird. Do you know that Isaiah says that Jesus was despised and what? Rejected, right? Jesus was rejected for you and for me all the way to the cross. I don't think we even comprehend the level of rejection to have your closest friends abandon you, watching from a distance as you hang and bleed to death. I mean, maybe you felt rejection. I don't know that anybody in this room has felt that. And yet we're like, but what if they don't call me for a movie on Friday? It's going to be so uncomfortable. Again, life is so short, friends. And, and our, the, the fear of rejection, man, I think that, once again, like, it's something that we need to begin to overcome. I think here's a big one is that we're told today that you should not push your beliefs on anybody else, right? Hey, you can believe whatever you want, just keep it to yourself. That is the narrative, and, and that's what people say. Just, you can believe whatever you want, just keep it to yourself. You're not allowed to share it with other people. But do you understand that that itself is a belief that people are pushing? Okay? Like the belief that people shouldn't push their belief is a belief that people are pushing on you. Okay? So everybody's pushing a belief. It's just the belief that you choose to push. You know, does it lead people to life or to death? And so we, we've got we've to know that and, and get bold as a church, man. We've got to get bold. Time is short. The end is near. The kingdom of God is, has come. Like Christ is here. And your days are numbered, whether you know it or not. The, the countdown is, is ticking. And what will you do with the time that you have left? And what would it take? I was just, man, I was really wrestling with this. What would it take for you to actually get motivated to share the gospel after this? Not to leave church today and be like, okay, I feel a little bad um, for this. A typical evangelism sermon. I feel bad enough just to go and do something for five minutes. And, and I was like, man, what would it take to actually change somebody's heart? What would, what would it take for, for you to be like, I, I'm, I'm never going to be the same. I can't help but share the gospel. And I, I love this, this text, Luke 12, 32. It talks about how God sees us. And it says this, you don't ever, so don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. It says, your loving Father joyously gives you his kingdom with all of its promises. Amen. What motivates God to give you his kingdom? It's not shame. It's not fear. What is it? It's joy. It's joy. Like, I, I think the church has got to come back in touch with the joy of your own salvation. And I think it's the joy of your own salvation that will lead to the salvation of others. And I love the stories I get to hear, guys. Like, I hear so many great stories in our church, and I get texts, and like, I just wish you could hear it all. Like, we get together as a staff every Tuesday, and we share these great stories. Like, Colleen's there. We get so excited, right, every week. And Colleen's always got a story. Britt's got like 20 stories every week of like how God's working in our church, through our students, through the people in this community. And so we get to hear them, and, and, and it just, it helps us to want to go on another day. I mean, I get these texts all the time. Like a few weeks ago, I got this text that said, my mom finally came to church. I said, praise God for that. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine was like, thank you so much for for allowing me to baptize my daughter. What a cool gift. Uh, You might see this in our church. Um, Sometimes we'll do a baptism week, which we do every single month. There's another one coming. And, And many times, I'll be standing up front available to baptize somebody. If somebody would like me to baptize them, that's fine. Um, but many times what you'll see is I won't even get up front. It'll be other people baptizing people. And, and if you're from a church background, that might be a little weird because you're used to like all the pastors, the professionals being the baptizers. But we, what we love is that like, hey, if you lead someone to Jesus, we want you to baptize them. You know, it's, we kind of have like a you catch them, you clean them uh, way <laughs> of doing things. Like, you get to baptize the people. Yeah. 
It's not my job, okay? It's your job. So here's, here's what I would love. I would love for every person in the room before the day you die to baptize somebody. Come on, right? And not for you, not, not, as a, not as a notch in your belt, but because God used you to impact someone's life to the degree that they're like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you've made such a difference in my life. I'd love it if you would baptize me. And if you're kind of weirded out by that, here's the deal. The Bible, the Bible says that you are a communion of saints. You are a royal priesthood. You have everything you need to baptize somebody, okay? So it's not just the professionals that, that get to do that. I think we need to come back to the joy of our own salvation, right? What do you celebrate? Like when we say 25 guys got saved at Beast Feast, do you clap because people around you clap and you're like, I feel like I'd be a loser if I don't clap right now? Or does joy well up in your soul? Like, hey, let me test your joy. How about this? Did you guys hear that Chick-fil-A is coming to Anchorage? <laughs> Woo, yeah. Like, it's a lie. It's a lie. <laughs> wow, you just went on the whole journey, didn't you? You're like, what? For real, though, if your heart leaped in that moment more than when I said 25 men got saved, you got to do some heart work. Like, you got to get real with yourself and go, like, what? There's a sickness in my soul that that doesn't give me joy. I want to just give you a few simple things to move forward um, as we are people that want to share the gospel. The first, you need to begin to pray daily for just one friend. Okay? Again, it's not your job to save the whole world. If you think it's your job to save the whole world, you're going to do nothing. But you can make an impact on your world and your friendships. And so who's the one friend that you are praying diligently for? And listen, don't go do any of this unless you're praying. Like if you're like, I'm not willing to pray, but I want to go out and, you know, like do this evangelism stuff. Can I I just say, don't go do it. Don't go do it before you start praying. You don't don't realize the, the battle that you're stepping into if you're not a man or woman of prayer as you go and try to share the gospel. Like, you're not trying to get someone to pray a prayer. You're trying to raise the dead. Like, it'd be like if after church today I grabbed you in the lobby and I was like, hey, man, um, I, I got another service to preach. I just actually heard that somebody from ACF, they, they passed away at Providence this morning in, their, in room 207 or whatever. And I'd love for you to actually go there. I feel like what the Spirit's telling me is that you need to go and pray for them. And I want you to go raise them from the dead. So, um, blessings. And you hop in your car and you're like, what am I doing? right? Like on the way to the hospital, let's say, let's say this happened. On the way to the hospital, you're supposed to go pray that God would raise this person from the dead. What are you going to be thinking? Lord help me. Lord, Lord help me, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus help me. You're not going to be thinking, do I remember like the four spiritual laws and the Romans road? And all that? You know, like that's, this is helpful stuff, but man, you're going to be thinking, I have nothing in me to raise a human from the dead. I am merely a conduit of God's grace, and if he chooses to do it, praise God. Like that's, that's the mindset we've got to have if we're going to be sharing the gospel. You can begin to listen, though, to the things people are saying. Here's some open doors. When somebody says, I'm new, that's an invitation to ask some deeper questions. When they say, I'm hurting in any way, man, that's like an open door. When somebody says, I'm lost or I'm lonely, these are invitations to lean into the conversation. The second thing is this. Start bringing up church, Jesus, and your story of grace. If you're like, man, my friends don't really know how big of a deal Jesus and my church is uh, to me, then um, it's time to go deeper with your friends. It's time to build some authentic friendships and share the most important thing in your life, which is Jesus. 
which means the most important community in your life is called the church, right? And so this is so important that we start to, like, bring it up, talk about it, specifically your story. Who would you be without Jesus? You can just share that, by the way, with people. And it's got power. You have no greater power in your life to share the gospel than your own story of grace. How has God changed you? What has he saved you from? Who were you before you met Jesus? Or if you can't remember that, who would you be without Jesus? And trust me, you can see that, right? You know who you are in those days when you're, like, not living with Jesus. You can share, like, here's who I am without Christ's grace in my life. Remember the Samaritan woman, right? Jesus goes to this woman and, and uh, says, hey, I'm going to give you water that's going to be living water in your life. And her heart's transformed. When she leaves there, the way she goes and shares the gospel, and she does a beautiful job of sharing it, is simply this. Hey, come and meet a man that told me everything that I'd ever done. And, and what she's saying is, come meet a man who knew everything I'd ever done, and yet he still loved me. He still reached out and spoke to me as a woman as somebody in their culture that would have been looked down upon and, and that a man, especially a, a Jewish leader, would have never spoken to in, in, the, in the light of day. And so, like, this woman was overwhelmed by what Jesus had done for her and went and shared the gospel. Here's some simple statements you can make. Hey, is there anything you need that I can ask God to help you with? I'm a Christian. I, I pray. Most people will receive prayer for something. You can just say, is there anything in your life that you need? that I can begin to ask God to help you with. Here's one you can say, like, hey, I heard a great line at church yesterday. Do you have a church? Like, I heard this line at church, this thing that's been stirring around in my head, and it was challenging me from the message. Do you have a church home? And people can say no or yes. It's not that intimidating of a question. Do you go to church? Here's one. Um, I've got some regrets. Do you have any regrets? I mean, we can see God working through our, our mistakes, absolutely, but certainly we look back at our lives and we're like, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Thankful for God's grace, but I wish I would have done that differently. Everybody in the world has some of those things. And that can go deeper and you begin to go, because they're, they're thinking they're going to counsel you. This guy's got some problems. He's going to come out all his regrets. And as the conversation goes on, you get to talk together and, and encourage one another. And at some point you get to say, what do you do with your regrets? I have this belief that Jesus takes all of mine. I believe that I am actually set free from every mistake I've ever made. You can invite that, uh, them into that. And the third thing is this, land the plane. Land the plane. Sometimes, I want you to hear this, sometimes the most powerful thing you can do is begin to just open your Bible with somebody. At some point, I mean, you've got to pull off the Band-Aid and go, okay, we're going all in here, and I'm going I'm to share it with you that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe and put their trust in him would not perish but have eternal life with him. Do you want that? You can do that, right? I mean, it's not, here's what you need to know. That is the Bible is living and active. It pierces the soul in ways that my words cannot. And I see it every week in this room. And you can use and, and, and tap into the power of the scripture as well two questions that um, I learned these years ago, and it's kind of old school, but it, it does help to, for people to just get into, I think, an eternal perspective. And the first is this question, like, on a scale of one to ten, how likely is it that you will be in heaven? And just going like, hey, do you know you can, you can actually be at a ten? When you put your faith in Jesus as your salvation, you can be a ten today. And then you can ask this, this question, if God asked why he should let you in, what would you say? 
Once again, if the answer is anything but Jesus, you've got some work to do. If it's like, oh, I'm really religious, I was brought up in the right family, I know some Bible verses, I tithe, I give, I serve, whatever. No, 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 it's only Jesus all the time. Salvation by Christ alone, through faith, right? And so most people have an answer. Like, I think I'm like a five, and I'm just hoping that my good outweighs the bad. And you're gonna go, that's not the gospel. I have better news for you. Your good will never outweigh the bad, but Jesus is good enough for you he's enough to save. And if that's you today, maybe you're going like, I don't know how I would answer that question. I want to give you just a moment right now to follow Jesus. Let's pray. If you're here today and you're not really sure um, that you're part of the family and maybe you're thinking, yeah, that's why I don't share the gospel is because I don't, I don't actually have it in me, then I would encourage you just to begin to pray even with me now that Jesus, we come together to say we desperately need you to save us that we know moral behavior won't change anything and um, trying to be a better person won't fix it. God, we need the grace of Christ on our lives. So Father, we all together today, we, we want to step from death into life. God, whether it be for the first time or in parts of our lives where we've not yet completely experienced and received the gospel, I pray you just pour it out on that part of our lives. And God, would you fill us with the joy of our own salvation? that we'd leave here not guilted into saying something to the waitress or to that friend at work, God, but you just plant deeply in our souls such gratitude for your grace and such an eternal perspective and such an understanding that life is so short, God, that the good news would, would just flow from our lips. God, thank you for our church. Thanks for using us. God, make us not a stagnant pond, but a flowing river of life into our city. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.